We talk about discipleship at churches a lot, but are we really doing it? Jesus' words are straightforward, make disciples of all nations. Before we attempt to make a bunch of disciples, maybe we just need to learn how to make one. It's time to go the second mile in developing a discipleship plan. Travis Agnew, and thank you for joining me for the Second Mile Podcast, where we seek to live out the words of Jesus from Matthew 541. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him the second mile. This podcast was started uh, earlier this year with the idea of let's not do just the bare minimum in following Jesus, but let's do go the second mile. First mile is what you have to do. Second mile is what you get to do. And following Jesus, this is so important that we would not just want to do it halfway. And so that's why on this 33rd episode, uh, we're talking about developing a discipleship plan. And so once again, we talk about discipleship a lot, but are we really doing it? And so the idea here is discipleship, uh, if we think about it, uh, that, that's really the call that Jesus has put on our lives. And so we know that. But if we want to really, um, I guess, simplify this to think of it this way, what's the difference between people who think about discipleship in a first mile way or a second mile way? So what are those things of just doing bare minimum, right? So first mile believers affirm the importance of discipleship. So if you're in any type of church or ministry, everybody's going to say, of course, discipleship is important. We need to grow people up in their faith. Well, that's first mile uh, stuff if you affirm the importance of it. Second mile believers will actually engage in the work of discipleship. So first mile is affirming the importance of, second mile are engaging in the work of discipleship. And so that's what we really want to talk about here. And, And so if you think about it, right, if discipleship is so important, why aren't we doing it? I think there's a lot of reasons why. Uh, First, many people are just sidelined by apathy. There's too many worldly concerns. They've they've stolen our hearts and quieted our passions. Some people just don't see it as that important. Second, some allow insecurity to rob us of discipleship opportunities. Uh, We have this imaginary spiritual line that we believe once it is crossed, we will be ready to make disciples. The only problem is that the, the line continues to distance itself every time we draw near. Those people, maybe you're one of them, and says, you know what, I would love to disciple somebody, but I need to get a little bit more mature, need to know a little bit more Bible. Well, the question is, well, how much do you need to know? Because it seems like that line always moves. Third, we believe that discipleship has a nature of complexity. Through the years, we have put so many hurdles in front of it, we honestly buy into the lie that it's just too difficult even to attempt. And so if you think it's just too difficult, you don't even take a, a, you know, a stab at it in the first place. Fourth, many of us will never engage in discipleship due to our unavailability. Uh, People uh, take time and effort, and we would rather meet with them once a week than walk beside them throughout life. I mean, here's the deal. Uh, As a pastor, I realize this. Ministry would be really simple if people weren't involved, but people are involved, right? And so how do we do that? Um, And so a lot of people just say, you know, I don't have enough time or margin to do that. But finally, many of us neglect discipleship due to unclarity. While we talk about its importance, we simply don't know where to begin. And that's where I would like for us to start. Uh, I hope that I can provide a paradigm for you to initiate, but also it allows you a distinct, uh, as a distinct disciple maker to develop a distinct disciple. You don't need my personal list or what I think is important. You really need a biblical plan to help engage in distinct discipleship. Uh, I hope to give you um, some broad strokes, but you will need to color in the lines. So the goal of these next few episodes here on the podcast is to equip you to design a specific plan for discipleship. You will not be discipled by the end of these episodes, uh, but you will have a game plan for the next few months of your life to that end. 
So on Sunday, we started a sermon series at our church called Distinctive Discipleship. And, and honestly, I want to sort of take some of this information uh, and I'm going to hit it a different way. So if you are a part of our church or if you listen to the sermon podcast or, or whatnot, um, which we appreciate so much, um, this is going to be a little bit different from it. It'll hit some, some of the same themes as we go through the week. So if you're at our, our church family at Rocky Creek, uh, there hopefully will be some things that you can say, oh, this even goes me a little bit further. But if you're not a part of that family, uh, our church family, we would love for you to also get connected with this. Um, as I've started sharing some of these ideas with people, I've found pastors and members alike uh, that sort of have felt the same dilemma that I've had for a long time, that you want something clear and specific to do when it makes disciples, but we really have a hard time de- determining what that should look like. And as a personal, I mean, as a disciple of Jesus myself, I, I long for something that I couldn't discover in the Bible. I, I wanted, deep down, a simple discipleship checklist. Um, knowing the unclarity in my own mind and in the minds of those around me, I just wanted to develop a single checklist that I could work through uh, with another individual. And so if I would just say, what are the most important things that if I were to say you have to disciple, like what are those things that I just have to do? And it might come up with like a 10-point checklist or 21-point. But my problem was is that if I came up with that like you know 34-point checklist, you might look at it and say, hey, I don't think item number 17 is that important, but you missed this one. And so your list will look a little bit different. And, and so the thought was, though, but I really I feel like we're, we're practical people who really need a list. Sometimes when we say uh, make disciples, it's too abstract for people to latch on to. And so how do we come up with a list that actually could work? Uh, but the problem is this, is that uh, I think that in churches, we've almost had this idea that if you come up with that list, that once you can cross off every item on the list, then you could present that individual with a certificate of discipleship, and it'd be like on car stock paper, and your job would be done. But my personal dilemma arose when I accepted that my list would differ from yours. I mean, people from different denominations, backgrounds, and, and even nations could never ag- agree on what such a standard should be. And so I really uh, spent a lot of time seeking out other approaches. And as I did that, I was struck with a dangerous leaning towards making our goal a simple curriculum completion. Um, I feel like a lot of people just said, okay, yeah, we need to make disciples. So here, do this curriculum. And it might take eight weeks or it might take a full year. Um, but the problem is if you do this, right, the whole goal was that you'd be complete. But completing a workbook does not equate to experiencing completion as a disciple. Uh, I think there's many helpful approaches out there, and they employ measurements to determine how mature a person is. And while I appreciate the aspect of such tools, I am also skeptical of such an approach. I mean, in certain processes, once an individual reaches a certain mature status, that person is designated as a disciple as if the job on his or her own soul is complete. The problem I had with these approaches is maturity is a subjective, if not a slippery thing, right? I mean, I know people who could pass a seminary theological exam uh, and would be classified by such assessments as a mature disciple. But if you look at the spiritual quality of his or her life, the practical part would not fare so well. Many people have a biblical theology, but they lack a biblical practice. On the other hand, many people portray a godly lifestyle, but they just lack a godly knowledge. I am wary of any type of scale that labels someone as either mature or not uh, when we are all incomplete, and honestly, we're all inconsistent. So, and as if those different components are not enough to complicate the matter, each of us find ourselves moving up and down certain scales in our own spiritual development. The lesson I learned last year is often in need of repeating in a few years from now, if you haven't come to realize that. And my certificate of completion does not prevent me from needing remedial courses in the near future. And even if I have been successful through the trials up to this point, there are more turns along the way of which I will require further discipling. So, I mean, here's the thing, uh, you know, if as, as, as a uh, guy who's in his 
30s, right, later 30s, if I think about, you know what, a lot of men struggle in their uh, 30s and 40s, and if I can just make it at 45, I'll be good, right? If, if I have that type of mentality, there are people who, who walk away from Christ in their 40s, but they also walk away from Christ in 70s. And so the struggles that I had as a 18-year-old are different than I have as a 38-year-old, and they're also different than what I'll have as a 68-year-old, right? There, there's just differences along the way. And so that's why the part of discipleship is never really complete. And so in my own personal dilemma of wanting to provide a list for myself that I could use as a pastor and a father and a friend to others, uh, I, I sought to create a list uh, and started coming up with it. Okay, if I was going to come up with a list of what you have to use to disciple someone else, I realized that as soon as I made it, I was already second-guessing it. Uh, and so along the way, while I was looking for that list or, or looking to create that list, instead I kind of discovered a paradigm. Um, I sought to develop a strategy, uh, but I really came across something in the book um, of Colossians that really ca- came alongside me as not a checklist, but a paradigm that honestly could be used by anybody in any situation for any type of disciple at any level of maturity, at any stage of life, in any nation in the world, in any context, whether it was a family or a group, you name it. The idea was, hey, let me just come up with this, this paradigm as I was sort of seeing it approach uh, through Colossians. Um, and so what happened was is that I was studying Colossians chapter 1 uh, to preach through it for our, our church family. And, and the, um, the reason why I chose Colossians 1 was due to verse 28 because uh, of what it says in there about presenting everyone mature in Christ. And so I remember one early morning, I was studying through that passage, preparing for that sermon. And I honestly felt like, man, here's a paradigm here that you could actually create a discipleship plan around. Um, and it's, it's not a list, but it is a paradigm. It's kind of like a framework that you would say, let me look at an individual over a period of time and let me fill in the gaps here. So what this paradigm is going to be, I'm going to show you six categories really quick and they will be broad strokes. Uh, but then what you do is that you continue to look and, and sort of color in the lines uh, of what you look through and how you would do this. So, so here's how the paradigm works. In Colossians chapter one, it says in verse 27, it says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Him we proclaim. And so the first element, the first category of discipleship is something called delight. And so what you would look at is you would look at it and say, what is that area where you are finding your greatest joy in life? And if it's not Jesus, then let's figure out what it is and dethrone that in your life. So some people may find that there's something else that is uh, causing a greater delight for them than Jesus, or they might find that they are following Jesus, but they're doing it out of duty rather than delight. So the first category is addressing that delight aspect, that it's got to come from a place of joy. And in fact, if you don't follow Jesus and if you don't work on your own discipleship plan out of a heart of delight, you're going to eventually stall out along the way. The second category is an area called disobedience. Uh, It says warning everyone is the, the next phrase there in verse 28. And so warning everyone is the areas of disobedience and that I believe that every single person has specific sinful leanings that they're experiencing right then in their life. And so what you would do in the plan of uh, creating a distinctive discipleship plan is to address what those specific areas are and start attacking them head on. Then the third area is the area of doctrine, where it says that we're teaching everyone with all wisdom. And so that means that you start looking at where are some of the areas in your life where you feel like you're lacking in scriptural knowledge. And so it might be a book of the Bible. It might be a theme in the Bible. It may be a cultural issue that you need to address. But this doctrinal piece helps to make sure that you grow uh, deeper in your own understanding. 
The fourth category is development, and that comes from the phrase of we are presenting everyone mature in Christ. And the area of development is looking at how someone is spiritually gifted uh, and uniquely positioned and saying, how can I help mature this person so that they can use their gifts uh, for the ministry of the church? Um, how it would benefit the family, you name it. And so it's a way to say, what are some practical ways that you need developing? And that may be an issue of, well, I need to learn how to share my faith. Or maybe you say, well, they've asked me to start teaching uh, students at our church, and I don't really know how to do that well. Or maybe it's, I need to learn how to do a personal budget and really be um, sacrificial in my giving. So it's, what is the needed area of development in your life? Maybe you're a new father or a new mother, or in some situation, you have a new ministry position. This would be looking at a critical area and saying, how can I develop? The fifth area is the area called discipline. In verse 29, Paul says, For this I toil. So in this discipleship journey, what is the toil? What is the work, that the discipline that he's doing? And so this would look at what is the next spiritual discipline that you need to address. Instead of saying that you really stink at all of them, what is the next one specifically you need to do? Is it scripture memorization? Is it learning how to pray without being distracted? Is it learning how to fast? Whatever it is, but what is that next discipline that you're going to start putting in some reps and developing? In your spiritual muscles. And the sixth category comes from the end of verse 29, where it says, um, I'm struggling with all of his energy, which he mightily works within me. And so while we work, while we toil and discipline, we realize this, there's an area of dependence is that last category of where we say, we know if there's any growth, it comes down to the fact that God is actually working through us in that process. And so the six categories, delight, disobedience, doctrine, development, discipline, and dependence. And so the idea is that you create a distinctive discipleship plan around those six areas. And you look at yourself, you look at another person that you're discipling and say, where are the six areas that we need to address? And let's start hitting it head on. And what happens when you do that is that it gets a lot more uh, focused in your approach. The next few episodes, what I want to do is unpack each one uh, each one of these categories that we could look at, how you could start looking at the category and unpacking those things so you could start working on it. This distinctive discipleship plan, let me explain something. It is good as an individual. I think it's better with a mentor, but it, uh, I mean, better with a partner, but it's best with a mentor. So you could use these categories and just start learning and developing on your own. That could work. It's better if you do it with a partner, an accountability partner that's walking with you in this. But I think it's best with a mentor of someone who's a little bit more spiritually mature than you and helping develop your own faith. And so where you are right now in your own faith, uh, maybe you uh, are just sort of growing haphazardly and you don't have a plan. Uh, my prayer is in these next few episodes that I can help you uh, develop a discipleship plan that is distinct to you and your situation right now. I hope to see you on the second mile.